Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie. And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. On this episode, we're speaking with Carol. She's been in the medical field as a nurse for over 40 years. She also has her own private practice for holistic wellness, and she's a Twitter space host. You can find her at KissMyCarol on Twitter every Sunday morning at 9. She's got some incredible tips for us today. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So they call me Apothecarol, and um, I'm a registered nurse. I've been a registered nurse for 41 years. Uh, about 20 years ago, I began a more natural health journey when my own health was threatened with a terminal illness. And since then, I've kind of had one foot in mainstream modern medicine and the other foot in the natural health world. Um, I can be found on Twitter and we can, you know, I might say this a few times because this is really kind of the best place to find me. And it's at Kiss My Carol. You can find me on Twitter at KissMyCarol. Um, every Sunday morning, I do a Twitter space. And a lot of people don't really know about Twitter spaces, but they're lots of fun. Uh, but I do a class on Twitter spaces every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time. And we talk about natural health, holistic health um, topics. Um, I do have a day job as a registered nurse in mainstream medicine. I do home visits. And then I also have a, um, a private practice where I meet with clients who want to actually uh, maybe improve their health, uh, reduce their dependence on um, pharmaceutical medications, reverse uh, uh, chronic diseases like diabetes. Um, A lot of people that are struggling with with chronic health problems and their doctors tell them, you need to change your diet and lifestyle. And they walk out of the doctor's office going, what the heck does that mean? So I work with a lot of people. I get referrals from doctors to help them with that kind of thing. And I and I move them towards a more natural health journey. And then I have a third job. I play bass in a in a rock band. So that's a lot of fun too. That's about me. Being in the holistic realm, I kind of wanted to ask you, um, and then also we had the gardening space, which was so much fun. Um, I was hoping you could give us some information on what are some herbs that we should be growing to maybe use for home remedies and healing purposes that you think would be great that maybe everyone should have, uh, even though we know that everybody is different, but like some some typical things that everybody could use for either like if you have a cold or allergies and then like how would you use those herbs okay so that's a really good question so if you're gonna grow um, medicinal herbs in your garden start with culinary herbs start with the stuff you're gonna cook with look people underestimate the power of food and the benefits of food on their health so start with your culinary herbs most culinary herbs are going to have antimicrobial properties. They're going to have properties to strengthen the immune system. I don't like the word boost. It's to strengthen your immune system. And they can be used for just a number of reasons in various combinations with each other. When you kind of get into the area of aromatherapy, which I'm, that's one of my strong suits, is medical aromatherapy. A lot of the times I'm reaching for an essential oil that is actually a culinary herb, like basil 
or oregano. Um, so peppermint, peppermint's one of the most popular, okay? And peppermint's super easy to grow. As a matter of fact, keep it in a container or it'll take over your entire yard, okay? So you gotta watch out for that peppermint, but super easy to grow. So that's where I would start. And then I would add perhaps yarrow. That's one that we don't think of a lot, but yarrow can be good for a number of things. Now you asked specifically about allergies. Um, I mean, you can sip on teas with various, you know, herbs that you've grown in your garden. You can make tinctures with those herbs. You can put them in your food if you're cooking. But honestly, if we're going to talk specifically about allergies, I'm probably not going to send you out to your garden. I'm probably going to do something else with you. So, um, so to tie those two together, would, it would be, they would be very loosely tied. Okay, awesome. Thank you for that. And then I agree, like peppermint, that is my go-to kind of for everything. When it comes to uh, natural health and beauty, a lot of people are really going towards that way, trying to live a non-toxic lifestyle. Do you have any little totally natural beauty secrets that you would like to share or encourage people to um, try out? I'm really enjoying right now because I was getting some breakage on my hair and you can see I've got a lot of hair. Um, and I, that was, I was getting a little concerned about that. I kind of stepped back, look at my diet, look at what's going on, my stress levels. I had to re-examine that because that can actually cause your, your hair to grow out um, a little more brittle as your stress levels. So people need to really kind of examine their stress levels. But um, I was a little concerned about this. And so I did a little research and I came upon a thing called rice water shampoo. And so I was able to find a very natural form of rice water shampoo. And I've been using that for about three months now. And I've noticed a, a big improvement and I really like the way it feels. And I, I mean, I just like the way it feels as I'm using it, how my hair feels afterwards. I'd never heard about it before. So there's one. Um, the other thing that I do, and people may remember this from a long time ago, um, when they were advertising, um, I think it was Johnson's baby oil. Uh, one of the advertisements on TV would tell you that, you know, when you're through with your shower, while you're still damp, rub the Johnson, Johnson's baby oil all over you before you dry off. And so a lot of women were doing that, but they were noticing that they were getting body acne from doing that because the molecules in in baby oil are kind of big and so they were clogging up the pores in in the skin so um you know i i was doing it and i noticed the same thing it wasn't horrible but still it was bothersome well later on when i started my natural health journey and i discovered coconut oil i started getting fractionated coconut oil and fractionated it is a little bit processed which what they do is they take regular coconut oil and if you if you've ever used coconut oil purchased it you know that at room temperature, it um, changes from liquid to solid and back again. Um, so what they do is they take out that one little triglyceride that makes it do that. So the, now it stays liquid all the time. And you can get it in a, in a pump bottle. It's usually around 12 or $13, um, regardless of which brand you get. And I just, it, I don't even pay attention anymore. I just, as long as it's organic, I'll, um, I'll try different brands. They're all the same. And uh, I, I do the same thing as with the Johnson's um, baby oil is right out of the shower. You know, as soon as I turn off the water, 
I kind of, you know, shake myself off a little bit, but I just take that fractionated coconut oil and it usually takes two pumps for my entire upper body, two pumps for my entire lower body. And the bottle of it lasts me a pretty good while, but that has really kept my skin moisturized, even my hands. And I'm a nurse. I wash them a lot. I don't have to worry about any types of lotions. I've just never have had to touch any kind of lotion at all. And I will say that I'm not crazy about lotion. Pick up any lotion you own, flip it over and re start reading the ingredients. If you've got alcohol in the first five ingredients, that lotion is actually drying out your skin. You know alcohol dries out your skin. And why do they do that? They don't have to do that, but they do it so you'll buy more lotion. <laughs> So I've completely gotten rid of all the lotions and just use coconut oil on my skin. And just so people know, I am a baby boomer. Yeah, that's great. Um, I am a skincare junkie and like, yeah, that's what I look for in everything. I'm like alcohol. Nope. Hi, I'm Jill Hines, co-director of Health Freedom Louisiana, a consumer and human rights advocacy organization. We fight for your right to say no to an unwanted medical intervention, and we'd like for you to fight with us. Find us at healthfreedomla.org and sign up for our Substack, and let's be in touch. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the show. Do you have a question for our podcast guest? We got you covered. Your opportunity to speak directly with our podcast guest awaits. Join us on the Uncensored Platform Telegram. Link in bio. Now back to the show. Because it's like aging your skin, stuff like this going on with their hair, skin, and body. Do you recommend they do a hormone panel? Really, hormones will kind of balance themselves out once the person is able to achieve a level of homeostasis. I think we, we worry a little bit too much sometimes about lab work and diagnostics and we get so hung up on all these numbers that we, you know, the, the trees that we just miss the beauty of the forest and the fact that your body can balance itself out. But yeah, any lab work that anybody has, I love taking a look at it because that does give me some other indicators that can be helpful. Um, even like the pituitary axis. Okay, Well, hormones have the tendency to affect each other and D3 is a hormone. And people think of it as a vitamin because we call it vitamin D3, but it actually is a hormone. So when that one gets off balance, we can we can um, anticipate that other things are going to also get off balance. D3, the vitamin D is actually very necessary for the reproductive hormones also to keep those in balance. And what people don't um, understand or appreciate sometimes is is the massive role that cholesterol plays in the in hormone production and keeping hormones help um you know produced but also healthy because you can produce a hormone that's really pretty ineffective that molecule pretty ineffective it's atrophied it's just not healthy but actually having them healthy and that's true for every cell of the body cholesterol is needed it's part of the outer coating of every single cell in your body and so we haven't really done ourselves any favors and putting people on these low-fat diets and giving them medication to reduce their cholesterol. And, and then we wonder why all these middle-aged women are suddenly having all these hormone problems. Well, their body's not producing the hormone in a healthy form to begin with. And so sometimes even the tests that say, oh, yeah, you have plenty. We well, have plenty, but half of them are sick. 
So there's, there's actually quite a balancing act within the body. But here's my message to everybody. You don't have to get caught up in the numbers. You just don't. If you, if you have, for example, if you have an automobile, you buy a new car. If you're doing the things you know you need to do to take good care of your car, you don't have to keep running it into the diagnostics, the, the computers that do all the diagnostics on your car and getting caught up in all the numbers. You just don't have to. You know, you, you're taking good care of it. You take it in for its, I don't know, I, I think I took mine in for a 100,000 mile check. Okay. <laughs> After so I've run the wheels off this thing, right? And, and of course, my routine oil changes and they do some checkups. But we get too caught up in this stuff and we drive ourselves crazy with it. And if the doctors find one little thing wrong, out comes the prescription pad or, or sends you for another, uh, yet another supplement. And we can we can really just bog ourselves down and drive ourselves crazy with this. It's not that complicated. Now, if you're having some issues, if you're having some symptoms and that kind of thing, yeah, figure out what's going on, get things back in balance, and move on from there. But don't you know obsess with this. Let me get so obsessive with these things. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I like the car analogy. I've never heard someone use that before, so that's going into my memory bank because. I think that's a really important thing to think of is sometimes we're, we're looking at too many things when really, um, you know, relying on ourselves. I wanted to ask you about two things that are really trending in the holistic realm right now. And one is ice bath and the other is like infrared. I wanted to know, you know, what your thoughts on those two topics, like for instance, the ice bath, like who should be using those? And for what? Because sometimes I think when we look at trending topics, we just wind up doing things that, you know, we don't need to be doing for, for ourselves. And so to try to keep it on track for, for good, wholesome information on the ice bath. So years ago, I ran across this character named Wim Hof on, um, I mean, I don't know, but there were some YouTube videos and there was a book and there was all this stuff and people were talking about him on podcasts. They call him the Iceman. And he goes and he, um, you know, he's completely just, that's his thing, is jumping into polar ice caps. <laughs> you know, the frigid water of, of the Nordic Sea or someplace you know, up in the North Pole. And, and he has these, he sells, you know, you can go in and you can have a um, week-long retreat with him. And he'll, you know, kind of introduce you to this and get you into this ice bathing thing. But one of the things, one of the takeaways from looking at this and, and the health benefits and so forth that I, that I got from him was, you know, after your shower, turn off the hot water and start with eight seconds, one Mississippi to Mississippi. And if you think that's not a long time with the hot water turned off, <laughs> try it in February. Um, but just, you know, start with eight seconds and see if you can gradually work your way up to 20 seconds. Now, um, kind of one of the benefits, I will say, it, it's really good for your skin and hair, closing the pores, closing the hair shaft. So there's the beauty element, but I'll, that to me is incidental. But what, what did catch my attention is that in all that warm water, your blood vessels are expanded. Okay, heat expands, and the same is true for blood vessels. That's why um, our skin will turn red if we're in the sun too long or if we put a heating pad on there. Okay, it's just the capillaries um, start expanding. But then when you put ice on there, everything starts turning blue. 
right? It starts getting really white and then it blue if you wait too long. So basically what you're doing is you're expanding and contracting the blood vessels. Now what happens as we age is we lose the elasticity in the walls of the, of the blood vessels. So I think this is a really good way to keep those blood vessels pliable where we're not get, they're not getting calcified. Now there's other things involved with the calcification of blood vessels and that can create all kinds of cardiovascular issues. But, but just that exercising them every morning by dilating them and, and then turning around and constricting them. And then of course, as soon as you get out of the, towel, the shower and you get warmed up, those constricted blood vessels from when you're cold are gonna loosen up again and get back to normal at room temperature and then you know from there. So I felt like there, there are some benefits. I am not an expert in all those benefits, but the cardiovascular benefit, I think, is, um, I think it's significant, especially if this is something that people can, will practice on a daily basis and not just, you know, tamper with a few times and relinquish. I don't think you need to jump into the water at the North Pole. But hey, I could be wrong. The second part of the question was about infrared therapy, um, if you had thoughts on that. Um, so I have heard phenomenal things about infrared therapy, the infrared light therapy. And what I really like about it is you can get your own infrared light booth and put it in your home. You don't have to always be going into a clinic to, to have that um, and to enjoy those benefits. Um, I and I'm telling you, I've heard so much of it from so many reliable sources that um, I believe there are many tremendous benefits from that. And I, I, can't, I mean, I wouldn't even hazard to try and list the different types of um, uh, uh, health problems that could benefit from that. So um, I have not myself tried it. Um, I have a couple of clients who have the little the booths there in their homes and they swear by it. So I think that's wonderful. Um, I think that people should look at things like that. We should also be looking at hyperbaric therapy. We should be looking at energy mats. There are many um, things that we should be looking at closely. But now these things can be pricey. So you're not going to probably, or most, you know, middle-class Americans are not going to have all of those things available to them in their home. They may not even be able to go to all those places for those therapies. I think that our resources in terms of time and money are important. And if we're pouring it all into one area of our life, whether it's home decorating or our wardrobes and beauty or our car or our health, whatever, I think that we're tipping our scales. We really always need to get back to balance. So it's important to have um, either do research and decide for yourself whether this might be a benefit to you or maybe try it out because they have the little short break clinics now that have these things available. You can try it for a little while before you decide to purchase one for your home. Um, but be sure, you know, before you make a big expenditure like that or it ends up being like, a Nordic track. It's just going to sit there gathering dust and you've paid on it for 12 months and you're not using it, you know? Uh, absolutely. I think the yeah. next question is something that I've heard you talk about. And it was in regards to like the FDA putting restrictions on the, the home remedies um, and natural medicine and why it's important that that doesn't happen. Okay. So just a little background. Um, for a number of years now, uh, supplements, have been a natural, not I wouldn't say natural remedies because you can make a natural remedy out of the stuff that's in your kitchen, you know, out of food. 
but more it's more in terms of like supplements, uh, homeopathic, and people get very confused by the word homeopathic. They think it means this, and it doesn't. Um, but homeopathic remedies, um, even essential oils. Okay, for a number of years now, um, proposals, bills have been proposed uh, to usually the House, and now this time it's the Senate for approval to give the FDA control of those things. Now, what the reason that it's been hung up and it hasn't happened yet is because these things are not patentable. If you create a molecule in a laboratory, you can put a patent on that molecule. But if the molecule exists in nature and you're simply harvesting it from nature, you cannot patent that. If you cannot patent it, you can can't charge a jillion dollars for it, okay? It's, it's out in nature. I mean, what are you going to do? And you can't really, you don't really own it. Anybody can swoop in and have the same molecule, the same substance that you have. If you have a patent on it, that's not true. Other people can't have it until your patent expires, okay? So they've, the, the government, or the government, um, the FDA hasn't been able to control these things. Uh, but but there are people who keep pushing, and the, those people who will keep pushing are um, people that are in the government elected. And I will just name one. The one who's been the most troublesome is Dick Durbin from Illinois. He has been a thorn in the side of natural health for years because he keeps you know proposing these bills to give pharma more and more control over um, natural things. So um, he's got another one out there right now. It's it's a, it's a Senate Bill 9040, and this one basically would, says that um, anyone who has, for example, a um, a supplement, uh, maybe they encapsulate turmeric and pepper together for inflammation control or something, and they want to sell their little capsules of turmeric and pepper. Those people would have to submit all this documents, all this red tape, all this information, and a huge amount of money to the FDA for the FDA to review their product and approve their product. I'm talking about turmeric and black pepper. Open the capsule and put it on your chicken and eat your chicken. You know, it's like, what, what is this even all about? But that's what they want to do. Now, that the um, supplement industry is already regulated. First of all, the FDA and the FTC have regulations in place governing, um, you know, the labeling, what you're allowed to say about your product, the claims you can make. You have to, you know, have certain information on the outside of your product. And then your local health department, if you're, for example, have your little, I don't know, manufacturing Thing going on in some little warehouse there in your county or your yard or wherever it is, and you're making these things, the local health department comes in and they have their, their regulations and their inspections and you have to meet you know, their criteria or they'll shut you down. Um, and then we have internally, there's, there are organizations and the name escapes me at the moment, I might remember in a minute, that also regulates. So they, they're Internally, the, the, um, these organizations are regulating natural health things because they want to make sure everything is done right so nobody gets into a bunch of trouble and shut everybody down. 
right? They want, we're, we're self-regulating the way that a person keeps themselves from committing a crime or keeps themselves from hurting someone else. It's a self-regulation process within the natural health world, okay? So I feel like we, we don't need that. We don't need the FDA having more control. Dick Durbin needs to go away and everyone needs to be aware that he keeps coming back. He keeps trying again. Right now, it is tied up in committees. I don't think it's past committees yet or it hadn't as of a couple of weeks ago. And so, um, you know, writing to your senators and representatives to say, look, quit messing with our supplements, um, however you want to word it, but let them know. And I really, I really recommend that people um, print it on a piece of paper, write it on a piece of paper, stick it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, go stick it out in your mailbox. All right. That carries a lot more weight than a phone call or an email. They say it carries about a hundred times more weight than, um, than an email. So if you're going to contact um, anyone up in DC or even in the, at the state level for something else, that's what you want to do is you want to, you know, write a letter, uh, print out many letters, send it to all of them, even if you're not one of their constituents, but let them know we are watching this and we are not okay with it. Please do not approve Dick Durbin's nightmare bill because it's going to, it's going to destroy a lot of these uh, companies that are producing these, so they won't be able to pay the fees to get these things approved. They're simply not gonna be able to afford it. The pharmaceutical companies can. The pharmaceutical companies can also give Dick Durbin a lot of monetary incentives to keep pushing at natural health. They have an unlimited pocket. They can do whatever they want to, yeah. You know, I was gonna lead to that as like, you know, what are the chances that this is his own actual personal battle that he thinks is important? This is, I mean, this has got pharmaceutical lobbyists written all over it, right? And and the fact that he's been at it for years tells me, let's look at his campaign financing. Let's see what's going on there. Because I'm going to tell you, when it comes to D.C., there's twice as many pharmaceutical lobbyists as there are any uh, any other industry. The next industry down is going to be oil and gas. They've got twice as many as oil and gas. They're all over DC. The campaign funding from pharma, every elected official's got campaign funding from pharma. And they're all invested in pharmaceutical industries in their port, their investment, por personal investment portfolios. Pharma has so much control over our country. Look at all you have to do is watch TV and look at the commercials to see that that's true. I mean, they control the media because the media is not going to make them mad. They'll with, they'll with, withdraw their advertising revenue. You know, they have they have so much control over what happens in our country that we have to you know be very watchful and from a grassroots level do everything we can to push back. So one of the things that I encourage people to do is to take control of their own health every time. You go to the pharmacy or the uh, the grocery store, whatever, and you go down the little farm medicine, uh, you know, over the counter medicine aisles, and you pick up a bottle of Mucinex or Tylenol or something like that. You are feeding the beast. Take control. You do not have to be dependent on them for symptom relief when there's so many easy things you can do naturally to um, get relief for your symptoms to heal whatever ailment, um, I mean, and, and okay, diabetes. 
I help people reverse diabetes all the time. I was so scared the first time I did it, and I was doubly scared because it was my own brother. All right, your sisters, you know what that's like. This was my brother, my only brother. And he, he begged me, you've got to help me. And I was like, dude, okay, <laughs> you know, what do you want me to do here? But I dug in, went to the medical library. I'm like, okay, let's look at the etiology. Let's look at the pathways and see what's going on here. And then the light bulb went off and I went, okay, let's do this. And since then, I've helped a lot of people reverse diabetes and other chronic illnesses too, autoimmune diseases. So really we've become dependent. We have, we, we've been programmed that you go to the doctor, you get a prescription or more testing, you know, more numbers, and then maybe he'll send you to a specialist and you might get surgery. I mean, that's it. Those are your options. It's all very, very reductionistic. That is not how nature works. And we are natural beings. Nature isn't looking at the numbers. It's not. Nature balances nature. That's a lot. I said a lot of words. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. That was great. It. I have several friends and then including myself, I do take medication for a seizure disorder. And I feel like that medication is not the same as it was. And I'm feeling like uh, just different about it. And randomly, I talked to several friends recently and they go, I don't feel like my medication is working the same way it used to. Do you have any insight on that? But those kinds of thoughts do creep in because I have caught that happening before that they, they changed manufacturing from one country to another and then everything shifted and it's been a long time ago. But that kind of sticks in the back of my head too. I mean, that, to me, that seems like 100% something they would do, one, yeah. because they're, they're evil and corrupt. But I mean, you look at them trying to impose regulations on holistic and natural, um, you know, herbs and all of this just because it gets put in a capsule. And then look at what they did to the Amish people. Like they are just trying to change people's way of life. They want to impose upon us a way of living, whether you agree or you don't agree. Mm -hmm. So these people are just you know, sick. So most of the time, um, people don't notice a difference between the trade and generic versions. Uh, but there are some medications like, and not with every person. For example, I, there's a blood thinner called, um, the trade name is Coumadin. The um, generic name is Warfarin. And for some people, they can't tell the difference between the Coumadin and Warfarin. That one has, lab work has to be monitored very, very closely. I would go into people's houses to do that lab work in their homes um, once or twice uh, a week, depending on the person. And, um, and everything's going fine. It didn't matter if they were on the trade or the generic, but other people were very sensitive to that. So some of it is the sensitivity to the, the difference. They could not tolerate the generic, but they did fine on the trade. So it's, yeah, some of it just depends on the person, on the medication. It probably depends. But the fact that your friend is there in the VA, in the VA, lots of different people on lots of different medicines, everybody same complaint, that would take some investigative work to try to untangle that and figure out what the heck is going on here. If you have a feeling you should be taking this or not taking that or a different drug is for you and stuff like that, can you help us understand the basis for informed consent and how can we make sure that we're receiving informed consent on um, different diagnosis and medication? Informed consent is basically um, before a procedure. Okay. So um, before surgery, 
you're supposed to be given informed consent about your surgery. And so what they basically, it involves, these are the risks and these are the benefits. And uh, there's a written informed consent that, for example, childhood vaccinations. They had mom and a piece of paper. Mom is supposed to read the paper that tells her risks and benefits, and then she's supposed to sign it, done, informed consent, okay? I think that what I'm hearing from a lot of people that is a little disturbing is that now because of what we associate informed consent having to do with um, these, you know, coronavirus injections, people are, are now thinking that informed consent means you're going to sit down and you're going to learn everything your doctor knows about that procedure or about that medication or something like that. No. When your doctor hands you a prescription, the impetus is on you to go look up your prescription and get information. Now, you, when you pick it up from the pharmacy, your pharmacist will put it in a little bag and it'll ha you'll have this stuff stapled on there and you open it up and you read it and it's just like, oh my God, this is mind blowing, right? But it's the impetus is on you to read that before you stick the medication in your mouth, never mind that you've already paid for it. Or you can ask your pharmacist in advance before you fill this prescription, I want to see the paperwork on it and take it home with me and then I'll be back. I mean, you can do things like that. Um, so with anything, you know, you're going to have to give some kind of consent. Your signature is going to be on something somewhere uh, for any procedure. And that includes maybe physical therapy. Well, I didn't sign anything to do physical therapy. Did you sign something when you were admitted to that hospital? There's your informed consent on everything that happens that's not a specific procedure. Okay. But the impetus is on you to say, what are the risks and what are the benefits for me doing this? And to be able to weigh that out for yourself. Now, if you're just going to take your doctor's word for it, then, you know, you're going to take your doctor's word for it and that's on you. It's still your responsibility for taking his word for it. All right. So, um, for example, let's just, I'm going to just going to give everybody one, my favorite way to look up a medication. All right. So that will kind of be a thing about, um, you know, informed consent. And you basically your informed consent when you take a medication is you took the prescription out of your doctor's hand, you went to the pharmacy, you had it filled and you put the pill in your mouth. That is your, that, that is your signature that you said it was fine for you to take that medication. You took it, you put it in your mouth. You are responsible for the fact that you put it in your mouth. Now, if your doctor sent, gave you the wrong medication or the pharmacy filled it with the wrong dosage, that's different. But for the medication that you agreed to take, you're the one that put it in your mouth and you're the one that gets to decide if you're gonna keep putting it in your mouth. We have to take responsibility for our own health. So. I don't know if people want to write this down or if you're sitting in front of a keyboard and you just want to plug it in and look at it. But um, when I'm teaching someone about a medication, I go to the National Library of Medicine. And the, the portal to that for looking up medications for lay people is medlineplus.gov. One word, M-E-D-Medline, L-I-N-E, plus, P-L-U-S, dot gov. And it's now if you go straight to medlineplus.gov and you put your medication in there, sometimes it's a little, you've got to dig around, you've got to get the wrong thing. It's a little, that's, that's a little cumbersome. 
So the easiest thing to do is type in medlineplus.gov, hit the space bar, and then type the name of your medication. Then it'll come up the very first thing. You click on that, you got your meds in front of you. Um, their, their information is a lot more accurate than drugs.com, WebMD, all these commercial drug sites that people typically look at um, to get information about their medications in a clear, concise way that they can easily digest. So um, the only thing is with that, you get down to the part about the side effects, <laughs> and there's the, there's the regular list of side effects that are a little more common and aren't really that serious. And then underneath that, there's a scary list of side effects. So I just caution people, just understand that these are just potential side effects. It's good to know, isn't it? That if this happens, you probably should stop taking that medication until you talk to your doctor again. I mean, that's good to know. I want to know if I was going to take a medication, but which I don't. But, um, but the other thing that I really like about it is if that is kind of one of your more risky medications, at the top, there will be a black box warning. It's called a black box warning. It's in a nice red box, just to confuse everybody. But you can look at your black box warning and you can read why that medication is, is risky. And let me tell you, there's no black box warnings on, on natural things. There are a couple of things that you have to take some extra precautions. You need to know some things about, but none of them are going to be scary. And some of the stuff that you think is not scary, it's scarier than you think, like Tamiflu. Tamiflu is commonly given for people during cold and flu season. And not only will your doctor write you a prescription for Tamiflu, he'll send enough home so you can Tamiflu up the whole family to prevent them from getting the flu. Does Tamiflu work? Barely. But look at the black box warning. Homicidal and suicidal ideation is in the black box warning. And it's very serious because it seems to hit kids and teenagers the hardest. So you really kind of have to look at these things and say, do I really want to take a chance on that? Or would I rather just go ahead and deal with my flu symptoms for two more days rather than trying to, you know, bury a kid? And sometimes we have to weigh things out and it's hard to do. Okay. That was awesome information. And, and really your, your answer was perfect. That's kind of what I was looking for as we see, um, again, just words and things become trending and can be very confusing. And I think that a lot of people do need to hear that you need to advocate for yourself. You need to do your own research. Maybe, you know, my listeners get tired of me and Tammy saying that. So it's great for you to encourage people to do their own research. There is a risk to advocating for yourself. Okay. And there's a benefit, but the risk is your doctors, you risk pissing off your doctor. I'm just going to be blunt about this. They don't like being challenged. Uh, working with doctors for really, if you include nursing school, it's been 45 years. If you include even before that, when I was a teenager working in a hospital, it's been even longer, but for a long time. And they don't like being challenged. And many of them do not like being questioned at all. So you run the risk of pissing off your doctor. So if your doctor gets pissed off to the point where you think, what, why am I even bothering talking to this man? Fire him. All right. Remember, you're paying him or your insurance company's paying him, but you're paying him. He's working for you. How does he get to throw off all this attitude? And until everybody stands up for themselves and quits being scared of these doctors, they're going to continue being arrogant like that. It's going to take collectively more and more people stepping up and saying, hey, wait a minute. Uh, you're working for me. You don't get to throw off attitude because I'm concerned about my health and my body. 
I need these questions answered. And until people stand up for themselves, they're going to just keep doing it. I think they're taught how to do it. I think there's a course in arrogance in medical school. I'm going to find that out. I think you are absolutely right. And when I was finally put on the right medication, the doctor actually called me to tell me, you know, it was like a different pharmacy because I couldn't get it at my usual pharmacy. And he said, and some other symptoms I'm having, he goes, if you experience this, you could start looking for any supplement, like a vitamin that's approved by the FDA. And I said, why do you trust the FDA? <laughs> and he just got quiet. <laughs> so yeah, I am that person that you just described. Well, it's, let them be pissed off. I don't care. It's my life. It's my health. That's and awesome. thank you for explaining the black box warning because breast implants are now black box. And every time I say that people go, what does that mean? But that's the importance of doing the work yourself too, is because I just don't find that doctors and pharmacists and stuff like that are really providing that kind of information that is like really important. Like you said about like the Tamiflu, like I, I don't know how long Tamiflu has been around, but long enough to where I can't remember when it started. It feels like forever that it's been around. I have actually never been prescribed Tamiflu and it's because I've never gone to the doctor because I had the flu. So can't even remember the last time I had one, but I know so many people that, that were taking that. And I think that got, um, people probably got stopped being prescribed that so much, uh, especially during the, the COVID times, um, because they were just telling people to stay home until they felt like they were really going to die and then come to the hospital so we can actually kill you, but we won't go down that path. Okay, Carol, I want to utilize the, the just remainder of our time, um, to be the absolute best out there. What's important for everyone to know? So we were just talking about self-advocacy, and I really think that this is super important. You know, I mean, I can, I can all day long sit here and tell people, oh, use this herb for this and that herb for that, and this essential oil blend for that. I mean, we can sit here for months doing that, okay? I don't think that's a good use of our time. I think that people can go buy a book. You can literally get a lot of that stuff out of a book. So um, this is really, as we were talking about the advocacy thing, look, I think this is something that is super important for people to understand. So I'm going to expand on that just a little bit. Back in the Middle Ages, the common people were discouraged from learning how to read and write. And so the Bible was written in Latin, and the priests were the only ones that could read it and tell the people what it said and what that meant, because nobody was really allowed to read it for themselves. They shrouded the Bible in all this mystery, and the churches were full of all this, you know, these rituals and liturgy, and the priests could pretty much tell the people anything they wanted, and the people had no way to check it for themselves to see if it was accurate or not. And so they were given a lot of false information about God. And I think that that's, it has a lot to do with why people are so down on Christianity right now is because that's kind of what sprung up out of that for a time. Then when we came out of the Middle Ages and, you know, Martin Luther nailed the treaties on the doors of the Sistine Chapel, or I can't remember what chapel it was, when Sistine was a different one. But, um, then people began saying, you know what, we should be able to read the Bible for ourselves. And then the Gutenberg Press, they started being able to mass produce Bibles. People were educated in how to read. And we came out of that dark age where, where now people had access to God for themselves. Right now, let me tell you, 
this this medical system that we have is 100 year and 10 years old. It started in 1910 with the Flexner Report. A couple of brothers named Flex, last name of Flexner. One of them was Andrew. I can't remember the other one, but they came out with this report, submitted it to the government, got everything done. The, the FDA was called something else back then, but basically what happened with the Flexner Report is they were able to shut down every medical school in the United States of America and put in Rockefeller medicine. So it is the Rockefellers that developed this petrochemical pharmaceutical medicine that we now call medication and that you have to have a prescription for or it's over the counter, what we now know of as pharmaceutical medications, okay? That's, um, that's it's 110 years old, guys. That's, that's in the, over the course of human history, that's not a lot of time. So we've done the same thing though. We've created the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism and the priests wear white lab coats and have stethoscopes hanging around our necks. And we have a language that the people don't understand and can't decipher. And we're um, telling people things and they really don't have good access to information to be checking out and seeing if it's accurate or not. We're sending them from procedures that they don't understand. We're basically, and then we have, we have the Holy Sacrament that nobody can challenge in the form of vaccinations. You can't challenge the vaccinations. Safe and effective. They have saved countless lives. They're for deadly childhood illnesses. Has anyone ever stopped to see how deadly the measles really is? So we're told these things over and over and over again. And I think right now we're at the period of reformation. People are waking up and they're saying, no, wait a minute. What's really going on here? I think that's where we're at. We're nailing it onto the, the doors of the chapel. That we don't have to be bogged down by this. This is new. This is 110 years old. Yes, there have been great things that have emerged from modern medicine. And I will identify five to anyone that wants to hear it. Okay. And I and believe me, if I'm in a bad car accident, scrape me up off the pavement, stick me in an ambulance, and take me to an emergency room where they know how to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But if I get high high blood pressure or diabetes, I ain't going anywhere near those people. All right. And right now I have nothing. So um I just feel like people have to, um, it's so hard to say people have to better educate themselves. Uh, this is a journey of a thousand miles for me, <laughs> for me to download everything that I've accumulated over the course of 45 years into someone else's head is not going to happen. Um, but there are some simple things that we can do and that I can teach you so that now you can go and you can I don't know, paint pictures and go on walks with your dog and do all, live life. You don't have to immerse yourself in this stuff the way that I have for the last 20 years. This has consumed my life for the last 20 years. I would not wish this on anybody. All right. But so, but, but I can, like someone just came to me and multiple sclerosis. Can you help me with multiple sclerosis? I said, sure, but not until you've read this book cover to cover and you can answer some questions for me. I will quiz you. Okay, so you've got to be able to look for some things yourself and, and educate yourself on some things. But there's some basic things that are true for everybody, like the fact that sugar is killing us in this country. There are some basic things that once 
you turn those things around, you got a better shot at never developing diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, forget cholesterol, but autoimmune diseases. Autoimmune diseases are running rampant cancer. I mean, literally, cancer cannot survive without sugar. People don't know this. Simple things like that that you can take forward in your life. So with, when someone is just like, you know what? I, you know, don't start throwing a bunch of books at me. I can't go looking up all these websites. Like I just, I just need to know what do I need to be doing differently to be as healthy as possible for as long as possible. I tell them, get a guide, get someone to help you, get someone to examine your life, everything about your life, your relationships, your um, hydration, your sleep patterns your stress levels and what's causing your stress and get a guide to help you make the adjustments or give you the information you need to make those adjustments yourself. And then later on, after you've kind of gotten off your, on your path and things are going well, if you get off the path or some new challenge comes, turn around and ask your guide again. You think I got over a terminal illness by myself? No, even with my knowledge base. I sought out a guide. And then recently, this was in March, it started in March of 2021 when I started looking at the vaccine injury numbers and um, the fact that they were not rolling out, rolling back these vaccines, that they weren't stopping it, which was, I couldn't figure out why. We always stop medications after, the, after certain signals. The signals were there and they kept pushing and pushing. And I just, I had been so calm and so steady and so everything throughout the entire pandemic, March, 2021, I lost it. And literally, you know, I've, ta I've talked with my guide and she goes, Carol, I really think you kind of had a little PTSD there. Maybe I did, but um, she, we had to kind of get together, she and I, and look at everything together. And she had to help me kind of dial some things in for myself so I could continue, so I could cope, so I could go to work. I mean, that's how bad it was. So I could, um, you know, make it to the next gig with my band. Like my, I was destroyed looking at this and understanding the realization that they're not going to stop this and people are dying unnecessarily. We didn't even need a vaccine. Didn't even, it was, it, we didn't need it. We had early treatment intervention. We could have taken care of this whole thing with 80% fewer COVID deaths in 2020 than what we actually had if we had just gone with early intervention. And I knew this. And I was absolutely destroyed. So yeah, I had to go back to my own guide. I can't manage everything on my own with my health. Sometimes I need help. And that's what, you know, people are like, well, if it's natural, I can just DIY everything. I'll just grow it all in my garden and I'll just make my little teas and tinctures and I don't need anybody's help. <laughs> okay, good luck with that. Let me know how that works out for you. Because that's what I thought too for a while and I found out differently. So I just want to encourage everybody do. You know, and it depends on how interested you are in learning more. Do you really want to know what every herb is for? How, how to use herbs to help every disease? And if so, that you might need to take a course in natural healing. Do you really want to know more about like essential oils? Like that's your gig. And you want to know how to, um, you know, treat different ailments using essential oils, how to prevent ailments with essential oils. Go take a course if that's your gig. I mean, if that's what you really want to do. Or you can sit for hours and hours and hours and try to figure it out yourself. That's fine too. There's nothing wrong with that. But I really feel like, you know, a, a teacher, 
if you're taking a course, that's a guide. If you're sick and you go to the doctor, that's who you've chosen for your guide. Uh, you might, it might be a book, that's your guide. But don't think you're gonna figure all this stuff out on your own, especially with the internet, okay? Get a guide. Oh, that was awesome. That's yeah. such great advice. And I really appreciate that. And I appreciate all the time that you spent learning all of this. And um, whether it's on Sunday or any other day that I find you in a chat, you're just so helpful to so many people. And I have heard you um, just continuously encourage people to find that support system. And, you know, you don't always have to take matters into your own hands. So in regards to like the vaccine and things, I, I guess from a healthcare perspective, like that would be something that drives you nuts. I know for sure it's driving me nuts. We've never been through anything like this before. This is because I'm medical. I'm under the CMS mandate. So I've been able to tiptoe through between the raindrops, but a lot of people haven't. And um, yeah, we've never been through anything like this before. This is insane. I, I know that I've already felt like I've seen a huge shift in people's like mental health, their mental stability um, after everything we've been through. Even if you were able to not get the vaccine or um, somebody in your family has been affected by it or like the lockdowns and losing business and your children are affected and um, life is just so different. And I think especially like this past year, coming out the other side of it, there's, there are a lot of people waking up to like, oh my God, these people totally changed our lives for nothing, for nothing, just because they wanted to, just because it's an agenda, just because it's a plan. Like they really just enforce their will upon us to, to, to change us. And I think that there's been a lot of people that have not been able to recover. Um, I know that there's been a lot of people that commit suicide. Uh, now people are homeless. They're struggling with drug abuse and all of these things. And it's just, it's really sad. It, it, like, especially if you start to look at the whole picture and not just in the, the scope of your own life, really, it breaks my heart all of the time that, that all of this happens. And so hopefully we can see some people, um, you know, recovering and pull themselves out. And hopefully there's a lot more people that won't fall for whatever is next, I think would be the best case scenario after all of this, you know? Yeah. Make the shift, make a change, do it different. We've got to unlearn everything we've learned, but get somebody to help you or you're going to spend a lot of time and you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you're going to spend a lot of money you don't need to spend. But, um, but yeah, just getting a guide, that's the main thing, getting some help. If you had one minute to speak to the entire world, what would you say? I'd let them know that they are loved and remind them that they are a part of nature. They are not part of concrete and buildings and technology. They are natural beings. And when they divorce themselves from nature, they will not thrive. It's impossible. And so we do. We have a lot of diseases in our world that we really we shouldn't even have. Um, a lot of these things have just come up in the last two or three generations and really didn't have hardly any of these things before that. We've gotten off track. It's time to get on track. And it's time for people to take control of their health or those that profit from their illness well. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for being here, Carol. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, thank you for being our guide for the day. We are all <laughs> loving learning.
Before you go, hit follow and share with a friend. Wake up to a new episode of Louisiana Sister Squad podcast every Tuesday.